Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Graham, if I haven't met you. Uh, I've been away for a few weeks um, in the motherland. The mother country? The mother, the fatherland. No. What, Germany? What do we call it? Been back home. Been back home uh, and, well, no, it's not home. I went, well, I went to England, okay, for a couple of weeks is what I'm saying. Um, and uh, I, I must say, while we're over there, I, I travel with a couple of friends. I, I want to talk a little about the, the, the serious purpose of, of why I went. That's, um, it, well, it wasn't at all to watch the cricket because we had one day where we were going to go, thanks for bringing it up, Peter, again. There was one day we had tickets to the fifth day at um, uh, we were going to travel. So we were in Birmingham for most of the time. We were going to travel to um, Edgebaston uh, Edge to see it. And, of course, it finished on day four. And so it's seriously a lifetime dream of mine to go to an ashes, go to the ashes in England. And I got within like 200 kilometres. And then 200, 200 runs, but yeah. Anyway, um, like all men of a certain age when they go to England, I am trying this out. You come back. I feel like, I feel like you kind of come back and you try it out. I got just laughter, so that's not God well. That's not my... Normally, it's like, oh, it's like a distinguished, but I got laughter. Yeah. See, it works. I think Charles has one too. <laughs> Hands up, men, if you've been there and, and, and have one of these hats, and if it's in the drawer right now. Yeah. I don't know. So, um, I'm looking for... I'm not going to preach with it on because I think it looks a bit silly, but... Um, we also spent a, um, I need to confess, we spent a, particularly to, there are a number of people of English heritage here, or um, we spent far too much time, I went with a couple of uh, close friends, colleagues in ministry, but close friends, we spent a long time talking in really bad English accents, uh, just trying to perfect it. Those accents where it's, I mean, it's amazing England about how specific all those accents are from such a small... Ours was kind of from everywhere. We just kind of did one generic accent. Um, and and it, was, it was, yeah, got a lot of dirty looks from that. Um, but we are back. And look, I do want to spend today um, giving a little bit of, uh, there's going to be a few slides here, and a little bit of a, um, an overview of the trip. Because it actually does relate to, as Josh was saying before, and so uh, grateful the Pulsons could be with us today. It does relate to this series or this sort of last season that we've been looking at mission um, to or in our neighbourhood. And we've used that word neighbourhood sort of advisedly over and above using the word community. Community has become one of those words that's a bit everything and nothing. You know, the, the, we, we, when you think of community, we often refer to that as kind of, and particularly in church land, sort of everybody out there, but sometimes also everyone in here as well. Whereas neighbourhood, I like the word neighbourhood because it has a real sense of location. And if I asked you all now uh, to think of your neighbourhood, you can probably think of you, your street or your suburb or maybe your school. Some, to some people, their sense of location is really around where they work or it might be around a sporting club. But most people, when you think of neighbourhood, you can sort of land it down in something very specific. Um, and I really do think it's a time in general, if I can be a little bit um, sort of um, 
broad or grandiose. I do think it's a time where, where God's asking the church to be a lot more specific and to think a lot smaller before it starts thinking bigger. Um, and so thinking about our neighbourhood, um, and I, again, I, I, it's a theme we're going to see, but I love the way in which Chris and Emma um, just kind of turned up and started doing what was in front of them, what was right there. They did not have this grand plan, although one is being unveiled. And as uh, initially in, in hearing of these guys' story through Josh and Sherilyn, been on the ride, there is something wonderful being unveiled here, but it's not because they had this grand vision. They just were obedient and turned up. And I think there's something really powerful in that. And for the last 10 or 15 years of my kind of ministry, leadership life has been looking and in the space, mostly as a pastor, but actually with some seasons where I've been working for Christian not-for-profits or Christian organisations, either trying to lead the church into engagement in the neighbourhood or involved in Christian not-for-profits community development and trying to get them to get the church involved. Because I, and as we're going to talk about today, I think the, when the church takes on mission to the neighbourhood and takes on the responsibility of seeing the flourishing of their neighbourhood, we really align ourselves with the reason the Spirit was poured out. Um, I went to visit these two people, Ash and Angie Barker, who are, they have been um, um, legends, people that I've known from afar, literally. Um, actually, correctively, it's Reverend Dr. Ash and Reverend Angie. They're both ordained. Um, Ash has a PhD in, in, um, in mission. They're Australians, they're Aussies, but they haven't lived in Australia for a number of decades. Uh, when they were first married, they both had a sense of, in their late teens, early 20s, a sense of um, sort of call, being sent to the, particularly the urban poor. And that originally started in, in a community in Victoria. Uh, but then they spent uh, about 10 years, over 10 years, in the largest slum in Bangkok um, called Klontoy. And they were there for a period of time, and they're now in Birmingham. And Birmingham is, um, this, I didn't know this, the second biggest, after London, the second biggest city in, in America, um, not America, England. The jet lag might kick in. I'm still pushing back a little on the jet lag this morning. Um, interestingly, London, 20 million people. Birmingham, about a bit more than two. So there's quite a, a big gap there. Birmingham has been an industrial centre um, and it's a thriving big city, but there's certainly areas of um, urban poverty and disadvantage there as well. These guys, about 10 years ago, moved there um, to continue to do what they've been doing in seeing the community and, and being community builders is kind of the phrase they use the most, being commu community builders. In that, let me turn this on. Um, they start, they, the organisation that they sort of um, lead is called Seedbeds. And this is straight from their website. We believe that every local community can flourish, but few urban neighbourhoods realise their unique potential. Through responsive, practical and innovative programs, Seedbeds grows local leaders and communities into fullness of life, fresh connections, fruitful diversity, flourishing roots. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about Seedbeds as an, as an organisation because it kind of goes across denominations and works with churches in doing that. Um, but there's two things, and there was kind of two broad, 
there's two areas in which seabeds work. And this kind of reflected the, the sense of purpose that I went together with, um, and then a lot of you know, my, um, my stepbrother, Duncan Brown, who was the CEO of SU and was here at Cornerstone years ago. And um, he also has been on a very similar journey that we've shared through our life of this thing of drawing the church into mission into the neighborhood and then drawing organizations to working with the church. He's been in a similar space. He's, for the last period of time, he's a, he's a farmer. He also uh, planted a church. It's completely all um, volunteers that they've grown out in, in, the, um, in the Brisbane Valley out in Fernvale. No one gets paid and it's been, you know, this great thriving community that Joy regularly goes out and preaches out there as well. Um, so two things that Seabeds does. One is that they encourage and sort of network together what they call local seabeds, which are places that where um, community development in the broadest term, we'll talk about that in a moment, um, community building is happening, but it's faith-centered. And there's, there's either churches that have been there that have got on this really committed and shaping themselves around their sense of mission to their neighborhood, or people who've gone as this story, exactly this story, people who've felt a sense of call, and what do you know, as they start planting the kingdom, do you know what the fruit of the kingdom is? The church. We talk about planting churches, it's actually not quite right. You plant the kingdom of God, and the church comes up. And then the church plants the kingdom of God, and the church comes up. Um, so they've got these, and then the other thing they do is training community leaders to actually go and do these things. So there was a part of when going over was to actually start, and this is sort of a project that's beyond Cornerstone with a number of other connections in, uh, that we've got in ministry, to look at actually rolling out the seabeds here in Australia and what that would look like because there's a bit of a gap um, for training and supporting. There's some people who are doing it, but we just believe it needs to happen more, that God's calling the church to shape itself towards in this direction but the local seabirds I was very much going because I'd heard about Winsome Green um, and some of these other places and on behalf of Cornerstone like what's the secret source for these these churches that are seeing incredible transformation in their community in really difficult places are seeing the the gospel being planted in a way that the whole community wins in really tough but what what's going on I'm, I'm always intrigued, more than intrigued, I'm, I'm sort of almost obsessed, you know, a holy obsession. What is it? And so that was a bit of a, um, on behalf of us, I feel like it absolutely is a season where God's looking to, in a fresh way, because Cornerstone has always done this sort of thing. It's always been a place where we're trying to say, how do we shape ourselves in a way that the goodness of God is not about us, it's about our community. That's always been uh, part of who we are. I really believe, and this last six weeks or so, going right back, do you remember when um, uh, Sarah Ardu was with us as well? What she is doing in Cambodia is very much an example of trying to see the, 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 um, the gospel come to people's lives, but that it looks like Cambodians, not like Australians. Uh, the way she's, that she does, and she's been there for over 20 years now. And we, so Sarah was here. The plan was, and it kind of worked quite sovereignly when Sarah was here and then um, Pastor Tim and Mary Dickow, who were the pastors of the church that the Newingtons were at in Canada, and they've done some amazing things. They were here, and uh, then 
Warren Hickey was here and what he's literally shaping his church, their church around how they respond to the needs. Like quite literally, the church is being shaped by their sense of mission. And so it's been a time where, and as Josh has said, my sense and my hope and my prayer, I think, is that something will get ignited in us for a new season of what that looks like. And I don't want to preempt what that looks like because that's kind of the point. It's not top down, it's got to be bottom up. So um, there's sort of six seedbeds at the moment. Two in Birmingham, Winsome Green, Bonnie Downs in East London, uh, another in Birmingham, then also in Glasgow. See, there's that accent. How was that? That was pretty good. That was all right. Any Scottish people? Glasgow. Sort of. Um, Ukraine, I won't even try. Myanmar is another one. Um, we spent time in these two neighbourhoods, mostly, or pretty, pretty much exclusively. In fact, Let's go to that video. I'm going to play a video now. And this is going to give you a bit of a sense of what's going on in Winsome Green. They wrote and direct and did all of this themselves. It's their words to talk about the community uh, work, the church, the kind of life that's going on in uh, Winsome Green. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of Winsome Green in Birmingham. It's an inner city concrete jungle with a huge Victorian prison. You may have seen it on Channel 4's and famous show, Benefit Street. But with over 6,000 people per square kilometre, representing over 25 ethnicities and even more languages, we call it home. It's one of the most diverse areas in the district, with 76.2% of the population made up of ethnic minorities. And right at the heart of this vibrant neighbourhood is New Begin Community Trust. We are an asset-based organisation which seeks to provide a place of welcome, inclusion and social cohesion for our neighbours here in Winston Green and the surrounding community. Most of our staff and volunteers live within the community because we are passionate about seeing our community transformed. Our neighbourhood is full to the brim of untapped potential and beautiful talent waiting to be discovered and released. New Begin Community Trust runs numerous projects and events often instigated by the very members of our community to help discover and develop skills in our constantly changing neighbourhood. Our approach is that no project is too big or small, whether it's taking on fun, noisy kids clubs or women's advocacy hubs. Introducing our alpacas to our neighbours or helping neighbours access the care they need, even if it means a 3am hospital visit. Projects range from arts to music to urban gardens or even a daily community cafe for when you need a coffee and a bite to eat. We love making any dream a reality. Some things are one-off ways of supporting our neighbours and others are sustainable projects that run for months. Either way, we are a flexible organisation that responds to the needs and dreams of our community. New Begin Community Trust is powered by the people of Winston Green to help see the community and its people transformed and realise their value, their worth and their absolute immense potential. So as part of uh, the work they're doing there, uh, if you went and saw during the week, it looks, um, there's lots of activities and lots of different projects going on, there's... Um, different groups meeting, they're really involved in their local school, there's, as I said, urban gardens. But there is also two worshipping communities, um, churches that, that come together, that look in some ways very different to what we do here, but in some ways exactly the same. They're meeting together, they're worshipping, they're praying, and 
So there's absolutely a church at the heart of this. And you might have picked up, oh, sorry, the other thing that happens before I talk just a little bit more um, about the church, the Urban Change Maker, that's the program that they're running on a bigger, uh, Ash in particular, finds people from within these communities or any communities and it's all about developing people for, for change to come and very much centred around the idea of, they use the word a lot about incubating, incubation and social entrepreneur. So the fact that there's gold within people but an incubator is an environment that brings things to health and life. And so they create these courses to help anybody and, and Urban Change Makers is open to absolutely anyone. It's not... Um, it, you don't have to be a Christian to do this. You just have to care about your neighbourhood. Um, and But there's been so many people who go on this who then meet Jesus or, and want to know and or have got a hint that there's something behind this. And so quite a number of people that you saw there and that I met have gone through that program and originally just because they love their neighbourhood. But in the process, meet Jesus, become a part of the church. And then the next stage they've got these urban pioneers which is actually it is for creed beds around england or around the world and while we were there we were part of um one of the things to sort of start or try and help here in australia to, to um, support communities that are doing this they use the term asset-based community or asset-based approach. And so I know there's quite a few of you here are involved in the social services sector and community development. This is a particular approach, and I want to... Um, whoop, if we can put that one back up. Thanks, mate. Whoop, no. Here it comes. I want to particularly talk about, uh, just for a moment, about this. We might come back. There's more stories I can tell in future to sort of flesh this out, but I really want to land this point this morning. Asset-based community, because I know some... Who's heard that term before? Asset-based community development? Few people have. The idea is it's approach to seeing communities, particularly that are struggling, um, that have needs, uh, to address those from the inside out rather than the outside in. Pretty much most of our welfare and our community development in our country happens from... It's like charity. Charity is from the from the rich to the poor. Charity is not wrong. It's not bad. But it's when people who have something give something to people who don't. And that is all the way most community services operate in our nation. It comes from outside. We're a long way down the track of doing that and spending lots of money and lots of effort from people who really care with not much result. And I think anyone inside the sector or outside the sector would acknowledge that. And increasingly over the last 20 years, there's this secular idea where they've talked about asset-based community development, which is this idea, and this is the way they use this phrase a lot. It's about by the community, it's seeing change come by the community and with the community instead of for the community and to the community. Another phrase they use, it's even shorter and grabbier, Using what's strong to fix what's wrong from within the community. Like I said, it's been sort of an idea that's been bubbling away, basically because people are saying, look, the way we've been doing it hasn't been seeing change. It's a secular idea. I want to... I'm so convinced that if anybody should get this, it should be Christians, because this is our story. 
asset-based community, the, the, the kind of theology behind this, when you think about how did God address what was wrong with the world, he sent Jesus to be in the world and become a part of it. Not from outside. He sent Jesus. We call it the incarnation. And in fact, in John 1, it says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. All grace and all truth came from God, but it came by the word, nickname for Jesus in scripture, becoming flesh. In, and I love this, in the, uh, the message, which is a paraphrase of scripture, it's like a poetic paraphrase. It says this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. This is, this is the story of Jesus, that actually God closes the gap and doesn't do things from the outside in, but Jesus comes and spends 30 years clothing himself in humanity to the point where he was unrecognizable to everyone, including his family around. I mean, Mary and Joseph had a pretty good idea. But he was so a part of the neighborhood. God fully human. This is the way God does it. And so when Jesus later in John says, I am sending you as I was sent by the Father, he says we should pay attention. Not do things from the outside in, but the inside out. This is why when Chris and Emma tell their story, everybody, and I knew this would be the case, I said, like, I can't wait to this. Everyone's going, this seems so right. This seems like the, this seems so, there's something deep within us that it connects to say, ah, oh, this is the way God brings change. What was, what was amazing about Winsome Green, and I'm going to share, just to wrap up, we're running out of time. I'm going to share just the secret sauce that I saw. And you'll recognize it's the same secret sauce these guys have got. It's the same secret sauce that if you're listening, you'd hear in what the church in Canada at Grandview was doing. It's the same secret sauce that Sarah has got and is carrying. You'll recognize it. And if you recognize it, you'll be inspired by it. But more than that, because this is what happened to me, I went, I was inspired, but actually I was confronted. I was confronted by it. Because what's happening in Birmingham, um, it's the start of the story. I think that we might have the privilege of just, you know, riding shotgun with these guys with and seeing what happens. It, it's it's recognised when people commit to this idea over a long period of time. This is the big challenge with the way in which so often charity or doing things from the outside in or governments can't do. It's short term. And we look for results too quickly. Get your head around the fact that God chose that Jesus would spend 30 years just being human. 30 years. That was God's plan. How quickly do you want to see change in your community? How, how, how long are you going to give your neighbourhood once you've been called somewhere? Now, I'm not saying it needs to be 30 years, but I'm saying if, it, if that's true, Jesus says, I am sending you as I was sent by God.
he, he then he also, at a key time, the first time he ever sent the disciples out on mission, first time ever, you've got to think this is probably a pretty important thing. He says to them, don't take anything with you. Don't take gold or silver. Don't even take an extra shirt. Everything you need will be in the going. Everything you need. Go and find the person of peace who will open the door. They might be carrying an air gun pellet. Go and find them and they'll open the door for you. But don't take anything with you. Trust me, everything you need for life and mission is in the going. Ah. When I'm around people who really believe this stuff, who really live out of our story, who don't cherry pick parts that are comfortable, I get, I'm, not, I'm, I'm inspired, but then I'm confronted. And I kind of go, oh, well, no wonder. <laughs> no wonder I feel my life falls short of fruitfulness at times. I get the band to come up. Here I'm going to share you. I've got other things to another time. But here's, here's my secret source that I was inspired by. I am inspired, but I'm mostly just confronted. And I'm probably, it's still maybe a little bit of the jet lag and a whole lot of just still, to be honest, still processing. Because I went, as I reflected on these things, I went, oh, the problem is not that I haven't had the right ideas. Ideas. The problem's here. Here's where it starts. So here's the secret sauce. They love their neighbourhood, and they're able to see God at work everywhere. They don't walk around telling. They don't walk around telling me what's wrong. They showed me, and introduced me to people, and afterwards, and tell me a story about what God's doing in their life or in their life. They see God at work everywhere because they're looking for it. They can recognize it. Radical inclusion is practiced at every level of life and ministry. Hospitality. It felt like every door was open and every table had an invitation to anyone. The number of times we went to have sort of a meeting where we were trying to talk about important things and we were going to go somewhere and, and Ash or Angie said, we're just walking past and just, oh, we're going to, do you want to come? Just constantly and taking people. I used to do that when I was a youth pastor. Gee, it was fun. Just take people with you. Radical inclusion. We went on a two-day pilgrimage to Holy Island where we were talking about some really serious stuff and praying about the future and there's the four of us. And just on the way in the car, Ash sees a guy in the community and says, he says, what are you doing? He said, oh, we're going up to Holy Island for two days. you want to come? And so this Rastafarian guy came along with us and he was awesome. I've got no idea where he's at with his faith, but we, gee, we talked a lot about Jesus. Just came along. It's really difficult to tell the difference between in here and out there. Where does the church end and where does the community? I could not tell. Most times I'm like, I could not tell who was part of the church and who wasn't. It almost felt like that was on purpose. The kingdom of God is being entrusted to and built by people who seem really raw and unqualified. If we had a car park team, I'm not sure they'd qualify for our car park team, but they're running the show and seeing change come. That was confronting. Community spaces are very important. 
but they felt more like lounge rooms and common kitchens than hotel lobbies and movie theatres. People are committed, really committed, and they seem to embrace discomfort and sacrifice. They seem to be okay with it. Almost look for it because that's where the fruit will be. See that in these guys. We see that. There's, there's living examples of, of people like that in our community as well. Oh, there's my walk. There's my friend, Alex, who came, came along. And finally, spiritual renewal or retreat, pilgrimage is essential. Because of number four, you've got to be pouring in because you're pouring out. There's a rhythm of life. And maybe, maybe some of this stuff in our lives is about priming the pump. I'm not sure which comes. Do you get empty first, so then you get full? Or do you get full first? I'm not sure, but maybe some of it's priming the pump in, in retreat, retreat and renewal. But you can't be giving out of something that's empty. And so that rhythm seems so important. Like I said, we're going we're gonna to sing and then we're going to pray love and blessing into the there's more to talk about I really feel like there's something here for us I really feel like God is doing igniting things for us individually but also I look forward to what happens collectively it's not for tomorrow it's not for next week it's not even for next month we got time right not looking to change everything but I do think if we can be prepared to be confronted first and say what's the barriers here I'm, I'm excited about what might open up for us. Let me pray.